rise. Oh Lord, open my lips. And my mouth will declare your praise. Make haste, O oh God, to deliver me. from Psalm 6. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger. Nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. O God, you see that of ourselves we have no strength. By your mighty power, defend us from all adversities that may happen to the body, and from all evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. The first reading for this evening, which is also the sermon text for tonight, is from 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with nine, the ninth verse. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. O Lord, have mercy on us. Our Passion reading is from Mark chapter 14, continuing from where we left off last week. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You all will fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. 
And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away. Again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy. And they did not know what to answer him. And he came a third time and said, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hand of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. And they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. O Lord, have mercy on us. We sing together hymn 912. Did that Bible passage 
sound a little strange. Ye, instead of you. Hath, instead of has. I read tonight's sermon text only from the King James translation of the Bible. Some of you may have grown up with that one. Many of you learned Psalm 23, especially, to that one. It goes all the way back to the year 1611. Over the course of time, some words change their meanings. We say you instead of ye. We say has instead of hath. In this passage, Peter uses a word about you all that has changed its meaning. He says you are a peculiar people. You always thought that other person in church was peculiar. Maybe they thought that about you. (laughs) Well, when we go home tonight, I hope we'll all think that we are very peculiar. It's important because what God God is calling us to himself, and what does he call us with? He calls us with words. And so every now and then re-examining what he has said, perhaps in a different translation, might help call our attention to what he means. What's behind these words? So let's see. Let's see what God's spirit leads us to actually encounter when we think about the fact that we are really peculiar people. Today, the word peculiar means that you're strange, weird, eccentric, that you don't really fit in. But peculiar has another meaning, an older meaning. You are peculiar when you belong exclusively to some person or group. You share qualities peculiar to that group. That's the meaning here. Not that we Christians are weird, but rather that we in fact belong, belong to God and belong to one another. A newer translation, the ESV, puts tonight's Bible passage this way. It says you are a chosen race, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And so in that true sense of the word, you and I are peculiar, peculiar to God. We are his possession. What is it about God's word, the news of Jesus Christ, that makes us his particular, peculiar people? Two additional old words. They tell us why we are peculiar to God. Peter says that Christians in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And there's two old words here, people and mercy. And the first one we'll actually take is the second one, mercy. Today, the word mercy means you feel pity or compassion. That feeling that we have if we were to see someone worse off than we are. A report on the news about the victims of a hurricane or tornado or or crime. You hear of a young child who's dying of cancer. You feel it in here. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, if you're not moved to pity or compassion, there's something God needs to fix. But mercy has a very different meaning in the Bible an older meaning that can open our ears to how good God really is. Mercy in the Bible is far more than a feeling. Mercy in the Bible is action, concrete, hands-on acts of loving kindness that people do for each other when they are in a relationship with one another of some kind or another. So when the Bible talks about God's mercy, it doesn't simply mean that God looks down from heaven and feels sorry for all us poor, miserable sinners. It means that God does things to help us. God acts. That's why you will often find mercy in the Bible in the plural. Mercies. 
The Bible loves to talk about the mercies of God, plural. And in the New Translation, they call it loving kindnesses of God. It's plural. God has entered into a relationship with you when you were baptized. Ever since, he has been doing mercies for you. Doing specific acts of loving kindness. Now, of course, the chief mercy is that forgiveness of sins. But his mercies are so much more. The health that he gives to you to perform any of the tasks that you enjoy in life. The family that he surrounds and supports you with. The safety that we have in our society. Communion. God's word. These are all specific hands-on things that God does for us. It's spiritually dangerous to think about Lent only as this time where we think about the suffering of Jesus. Because the devil is going to try to make Lent only about stuff that happened in the past, long ago. The truth is, you are baptized in Jesus' death and resurrection, and until the day of your own resurrection, God is doing mercies along the way to get you there. These loving kindnesses from God do make us peculiar. God's peculiar people. And it's then that we turn to that word people. Now it simply means a group of individuals. You see people at the county fair. You see people driving to work. You see people going to vote. But the word people in the Bible is loaded with much more meaning than that. It's a specific group that all share something in common. And because God is giving you mercies, you are God's own people. God's people in the Bible are, are people who are set apart from the general run of the others. You're not normal after all. You are peculiar in every sense of the word. As we talked about a couple evenings ago, we are a holy people. Not because we act particularly holy, but because God has made us so. God has set us apart to be his people. And thinking about that, thinking about the fact that he made you holy, that you are continually receiving his mercies, that gives you a real sense of belonging in God's people. Our life together as we gather to eat, to pray, to sing, to listen, that's a demonstration of us being in God's people amidst all the others who can't yet be bothered. We belong to God and we belong to each other and that makes us peculiar. And so what I pray happens through this word tonight is that you get a sense of how unique you are. Jesus describes here in this passage from Peter how special we are by using some other words that we may not normally use to think of ourselves. Some other words that aren't in our daily vocabulary. He says, ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. You have been chosen. We don't think of ourselves as royalty, and nobody else does either. I hate to break it to you if you thought you were, but if you try to act like earthly royalty, you're likely to get, well, who died and made you queen? But we are children of the God of the universe, and that makes us royalty. We are a holy nation because he called out to be his people from every nation that we otherwise might find on this world. And our holy nation is found in the book of life. 
the great multitude from every nation, from all tribes, peoples, and languages. Ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Wrapping all this up, God has a purpose for making us his peculiar people. And the purpose is this, that ye should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In the reading that we read earlier, Jesus was preparing for the suffering he was going to do the next day. And the disciples did not act in any way like peculiar people. They acted like everybody. They denied, they ran, they ran the other direction as far as they possibly could. But then three days later, when they saw the risen Jesus, they became peculiar people who turned the world upside down. Jesus' resurrection sent them out into the world with a message to share. And so when you leave church this evening, when you go to school or work tomorrow morning, when you do whatever it is that you do out there in the weekday world, remember that you go forth to show the praises of him who's called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. What will that get us? Well, it may get people thinking that we're strange that we're out of step with the prevailing winds of our culture. In fact, some people might say we're peculiar. Indeed, we are, for our message, though, is one of a very peculiar God. God who dared to love us enough to die. And so as we go about our week, our tale is one of a Savior who earned so much life that we can spend every ounce of it here in service to others and proclaiming the joyful message of never-ending life. Our lives tell the story of so much more saved up for later than we could possibly spend here. It's a story that, when we truly believe it, makes us all very peculiar. Amen peace of God which passes all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus Amen We continue our time of worship as a family this evening with the gathering of our gifts, offerings and tithes you to rise for our time of prayer. Let my prayer rise before you as incense. Lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice.
and trusting in his promises, we are bold to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, hear my prayer. And let my cry come to you. Visit our dwellings, O Lord, and drive from them all the snares of the enemy. Let your holy angels dwell with us to preserve us in peace. And let your blessings be on us always. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. be seated as we sing hymn 663.
tonight. Who's hungry? Let's pray. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest, and let thy gifts to us be blessed. Amen. Go in peace and serve the Lord.